so that was my default too, looking for the mountaintop experience. And the spiritual direction has been more of a slow climb, not a mm-hmm. finding myself on the top and then fighting not to slide down the other side. Hello, and thanks for listening to the Vineyard Maryville podcast. My name is David, and on today's episode, we'll tune in to a Zoom call conversation between our own Aaron McCarter and Landon Meadow, the pastor of the Clarksville Vineyard. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I am here with my friend, Landon Meadow. Hi, Landon. Hey. Uh, Thanks so much for uh, joining us. I'm really, really thankful that you would uh, give us a a chunk of your time, and especially because I have recently asked for a chunk of your time. The, The story goes like this. I was... Um, I don't know, for a whole stack of reasons, eager to reconnect with my friend Landon earlier this week or about a week ago now. And uh, I gave him a call with a stack of questions just because I wanted to know what was going on in his life. And uh, by the time we got off the phone, Landon had said so many helpful and encouraging and insightful things that I found myself wanting to share this conversation with our church. And so that's why we're here now. Landon was willing uh, landing, uh, willing to participate. So thanks so much for that. Um, and Landon is uh, the pastor of the Clarksville Vineyard. Um, Landon, why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about your church, how long you've been there, just a little bit of background so we know who we're talking to. Um, well, I was... Oh my gosh, I got into the Clarksville Vineyard in 1994, helping to plant it, actually. Yeah. Um, And we were uh, part of a small group and were there for the first Sunday in 94. I became the first staff pastor in the church. I was a volunteer staff pastor. I practiced Mm -hmm. law at the time, Mm -hmm. uh, full-time, and was a volunteer staff pastor for 10 years uh, Don Gerald, who planted the church, came from California, although he was originally from the area. He uh, had some health issues and and said um, his wife had gone to California to take care of her dad because she was the only child. And he was a D-Day vet, actually. At really? event. Yeah. And, and uh, was under disability, actually, from World War II from being wounded in Europe. And, and so, but she had to go take care of him and, and he had health problems. So he just one day said, I'm leaving and you're it. So <laughs> I quit practicing law and <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> unceremonious. It just, yeah, that was 2005. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, okay. So by my math, that's something like 28 years in the church and something like 17 years leading the church. Does that sound right? Sounds right. Yeah, man. That's, that's that's been a minute. <laughs> that's really good. I've been here a while. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 cool. Um, yeah. So, a, sort of a fun fact for especially people who may be listening to this podcast is the Clarksville Vineyard is the church that planted the church that then planted our church. So you're like our a grandparent church, if that's a thing, which maybe it's not, but. We're two generations removed, so there's that's that's pretty pretty fantastic. And then the uh, the uh, church that sent us, of course, was led by Jeff Anderley, a, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours. And um, uh, Jeff, when we uh, were training and and getting ready to go out, 
as church planters, Jeff would take us to conferences or to gatherings. And he was like this big cheerleader who would carry like, like take us from place to place, take Sharon and me, that is, and um, introduce us to people in the vineyard that he thought we should know. And uh, he it was such a revved up cheerleader of a guy that he'd always say, oh, you got to meet them. They're awesome because you're awesome. And he was always super encouraging. But I do remember, you don't know this, but it was, I think it was at a regional conference. It was actually in Chattanooga or maybe, maybe not, but he pointed you out. Uh, from like way across the room and he goes, we got to get to that guy. That's Landon. And I said, why? He says, cause Landon's a legend. <laughs> and, um, uh, and I was, I was 23 at the time. So I was for a minute there, I was really intimidated. I didn't know why you were a legend. I didn't know what the story was. I didn't even know that that was your, that that was his sending church or anything like that. But eventually I got to meet you. Um, and I was a little nervous at first. And then I, I quickly figured out that you were one of the more kind and welcoming and not, not all that intimidating people. So I'm glad that wasn't, that wasn't too scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, the reason I, or the main reason I was eager, uh, to reconnect with you, uh, a few days ago was I had heard some really great news, uh, about your son. And so, uh, rather than me leading into it, into a way that, that uh, maybe doesn't set it up well, why don't you just kind of tell us Joshua's story, um, the, the journeys he's been on and then the really cool stuff that's been happening lately. Well, I guess I start off by saying that Joshua was healed in like the last five minutes of the pastors' conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in Pigeon Forge just uh, just a couple of months ago. Yeah, that's right. And um, so Joshua's been sick for like eight and a half years. He is twenty. He'll be twenty three next month. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's missed his teenage years. He has. He has hemochromatosis, which is a gen- most common genetic disorder, which is genetically high iron. Um, okay. But there was something else going along with it. Uh, I think it was like an autoimmune thing. Mm-hmm. So he's been he's been sick, like physically exhausted for eight and a half years, and he just kind of learned mm-hmm. how to functional, you know. And it took us a long time to even try to get some kind of diagnosis mm-hmm. um so it i mean you know it completely changed our lives we i Melanie, that's my wife and i basically got mm-hmm. to the point where we were um deciding trying to find out how to stay healthy and work as long as we could because he was probably not going to be able to take care of himself that kind yeah. of he couldn't yeah when you when you say he was physically exhausted, that doesn't mean he was tired sometimes. I mean, he was absolutely wiped. And sometimes, if I remember correctly, sometimes stuck in bed for stretches, just couldn't yeah. couldn't function anything approaching normal. Is that fair to say? Yeah. He would wake up in the mornings feeling like he hadn't slept. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's just the way he left. That, I mean, lived. That's just, and he was, he had made a, he put quite a, a post on Facebook explaining it, but he had made a decision to um, move toward God instead of away from him in the mm-hmm. sickness. Um, mm-hmm. So he spiritually hand, was doing better than me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell me, tell me more about that, Landon. <laughs> I, I, um, I just got mad at God because of the whole thing. Sure. I mean, you know, 
you you commit your life you 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 give up careers you commit your life to the church and and to ministry and and then you have a kid that gets sick and he's and he had such a you could see they had such a call in his life um so i was having a tough time with god and and had to kind of process through that um and uh just come to the place of of believing and knowing that that god is good um and so there's a long uh, there's a, a we've got eight and a half years of stories on this yeah I could yeah. go into that a lot, but it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. And that's part of, I, I went into spiritual direction training and everything just to try and keep me in the, in the saddle, so to speak of ministry. I see. Um, yeah. It's a structured thing and all of this. Uh, anyway, so phys- emotionally it was tough and spiritually it was tough on, of course, us as the parents, anyone mm-hmm. that has kids gets that, not, you know, yeah. Damn. Landon, I, I remember at one point I, I saw you at a conference and I, I think I know these things ebbed and flowed. I'm sure you had good stretches and bad, but um, I, I, I talked to you and you were telling me about a Josh, Joshua and his extreme exhaustion. And I remember debriefing with Sharon and we were praying um, and, and I told her, I said, you would think that Landon was the one who had extreme exhaustion. He seemed as exhausted as he was uh, explaining Joshua to be. So in a very, I mean, it was clear, at least at that moment, man, you were going through it. Yeah. 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 I don't don't know how we hung in there at times, honestly. And, and, um, Mm -hmm. but I could, you know, there's always this, (laughs) you look around and, and, and I would see other people and honestly, people in the church with healthy children, um, mm-hmm. And those children were not pursuing Jesus, and the, uh, so there were I, moments where I would look was. at them and say, "I would not trade positions with them." So wow. there were those kinds of things. So yeah, it was tough emotionally, but there were just graces and um, and like, why did God wait eight and a half years to heal him? I don't know. You know, my both of my mm-hmm. parents, neither of them made it to seventy years old. You know, they died mm-hmm. of illnesses. So. You know, if I had a way of of answering those questions, man, I would I would uh, write a book or something. <laughs> yeah, you could sell some copies of that one. <laughs> I could. Yeah, uh, but God is good, and that's what we've had to really hang on to. And I feel like that He's created a a guy in my house now who spiritually knows so much more than I do. Yeah, well, the Bible says. I mean. Well, even more so, our own experience shows that suffering is a, it trains us, it develops us, it doesn't, you know, it, it, I'm so convinced that suffering is um, ultimately to our good, and yet I still don't have enough faith in that to like, be okay with it. (laughs) If if I really believed, you know, what I know to be true, at least in my mind, then suffering would come and I would welcome it. And yet, um, I just I don't I, I'm I'm always looking to get rid of it when it comes along, but it apparently has made a remarkable impact on Joshua and and on you too because um, I, you were a legend apparently before I even met you, uh, but even even more so now God's really done a lot. Um, can go ahead. Well, uh, during the the spiritual direction training, there was one experience when I I went, the first thing I did was a nine months of Ignatius's 19th annotation. So it's an hour every day for nine months of, Mm -hmm. and then meeting with spiritual director once a week. So it's a very structured thing. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah. at one point there, you spend a week talking to Jesus while he's on the cross. And oh, wow. the very first time that, that I went to do that, um, it's a very clear, vivid picture in my mind, even now, that I was looking up at the cross and he was looking down at me and his face was a bloody mess. Mm. And just a, a, an unemotional tone in his voice just basically invited me to join him. And I was like, mm. uh, I'll pass. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that was my super <laughs> spiritual response. <laughs> yeah. And well, thank you. And it has stayed with me the whole time because I, and it's in take on many different phases. Um, mm -hmm. But what he was doing was inviting me to share the cross with him. And my part of that cross was Joshua's illness. Mm -hmm. um, and all of us have something or a bunch of things. That's our part of, are we willing to carry this cross that the Lord wants mm -hmm. us to carry? Um, and so for me, that, it, that was another way of, of helping process it that I wasn't sure. out of the will of God. I'm not, not this isn't a punishment. This is, mm -hmm. and the lack of healing was not um, God being forgetful, mm -hmm. um, but there was a very real purpose and process of it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So uh, you said Joshua in this process would decided to run to the Lord instead of away from him, which is an yeah. incredible grace. Yes. Um, and so, and you guys are in a church where you believe in healing. You have seen and experienced lots and lots of them over the years. Yes. Um, probably hundreds, if not even thousands over the course of the years you've known the Lord, you've seen healing after healing. Yeah. A couple, and so, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm sure there were points along the way where, where Joshua was saying, you know, uh, I, well, actually, I'm curious. Were there moments, were there points along the way where he said, I, I know this is coming or I know that it's not? I mean... Were there, were there times of great faith and expectation? Um, was there a, was there a roller coaster to this? Yeah. Oh man, yeah, there was a lot of, of a roller coaster in this. But mm -hmm. but I think sometimes, or at least let me just say this: some of the expectation and belief in healing and expectation was simply a coping mechanism. Okay. Um, and yet, at the time when he got healed, he went up front. I think. It was you or Sharon did the last session. I think was it Sharon? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but invited people up for prayer and then just sort of threw in at the end for healing whatever and he went up, but he had had a promise from God that he was going to be healed. Like um, that week or years ago? No, well both maybe. Okay. But um, he went up front and the guy that was going to pray for him, he said the he was just telling Josh was telling the guy. God has told me he's going to heal me and he's going to heal me. And then had this uh, uh, power encounter with Jesus at that point before anybody mm -hmm. even started touching and praying for it. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, out of <laughs> all the prayers and everything, you know, uh -huh. and then, then yeah. lightning strikes. It's like, what it was just time. It was, it was time. Yeah. Yeah, I think I thought I vaguely remembered that you had said something about he came in that week with particular expectation or some expecting to receive prayer. Um, is that yeah? So it's interesting that Lord sort of prepared his heart, but then ultimately he he had enough faith that 
he was experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit before he before anybody could even lay hands on him and pray for him. That's right. Yeah. That's incredible. That's awesome, man. So, um, what was it like in the aftermath there? So, was he, was he aware in the moment that he was experiencing healing, um, or did it take a while? He described it as a full body cramp, muscle cramp. <laughs> Sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, yeah. And he came back to us shaking and said, I think I've been healed. And unfortunately wow. for, we've had so many highs and lows and, and, and mm-hmm. hope deferred that mm-hmm. not only, and my response was basically the same was like, Oh, cool. You ready to leave? Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause our response is basically, you know, time will tell us. Uh-huh. And, and um, I, this morning, he he got up. He came downstairs uh, to come to the church office early to be with a couple of of teens and then do, run mm-hmm. some errands. But he talked my ear off. Had to come up with a reason. I had to go to the bathroom or something eventually just to get away from him. And <laughs> to explain that when he was sick, he didn't have the energy for conversation. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's like it's a very different world that we live in now. It's like it's, I, yeah. Every day there's something like, wow, this is real. Yeah. So time will tell, you said, and then time time has told. It's, it it's has. been clear, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. And it's been a little traumatic. We're trying to figure out what new normal is. Uh-huh. So yeah. It's it's yeah. you know, like somebody I had an elder here in the church, Wade Huffman, who described it like, Yeah, it's like somebody's been in prison a long time and you get let out and you're looking for a little room with a bed because that's what you're comfortable uh-huh. with. Uh-huh. And uh, and we're trying to figure out this new world and get used to it. Yeah. It's awesome though. Yeah. God, it's of just, course. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that he'd been hitting the gym too. I love that. The idea that someone who at, in, for long stretches at times couldn't even get out of bed and now he's hitting the gym, getting buff. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's, he's, yeah, he, he's, he's overdosing on health. It's like, he's, he's, I think he's going to start MMA training or something. I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. You're losing it, dude. <laughs> I love it. I think it I think that's a perfectly rational response. Yeah. Um after, you know, that thing that it's been taken from you and then when you have it back to just have such um disproportionate delight in the having of it, you yes. know. I, yes. I think by the way, I this is Aaron's theory, but I, I think our experience of heaven, the new heaven and the new earth is gonna be a lot like that. Yes. That there are things absolutely. that we don't even know that we're missing, um, but then when we get them, we're going to feel so much more delight in having them, specifically because we spent some time without them. That's that makes exactly sense. right. That's yeah, right. I think that's I think that's coming. And in that sense, well, we talk about you know the kingdom coming, and we get a glimpse of what's you know awaits us in a very real way. He's the kingdom has come in his life, and he got a glimpse of of what's awaiting him. And in this case, that that deep satisfaction of having gone without and now to have it back is uh, he should be ecstatic. It's awesome. That's a great description, Aaron. Yeah, God's so good. Hey, um, while you were talking there, and uh, is there anything else? I don't, I don't want to. I was about to shift no, the no. subject, but okay. So while you were talking, you you said a bit about spiritual direction, and I kind of want to. I kind of want to probe a little bit and ask some questions because, um, uh, you know, I've I've 
uh, received spiritual direction uh, a number of times for different stretches. Um, uh, quite a few people in our church have, but if you uh, just took you know the average person at the Maryville Vineyard and said spiritual direction, I think they would just look at you uh, with a strange, confused look on their face. So, um, and I, I know that you now um, you now you are a spiritual director, and so I. Which, like, as if as if I've never heard it before, as if I were five years old. Um, what what is spiritual direction? Okay, well, spiritual direction is a person who is helping you with your relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be very Jesus focused. Uh, but let me put it this way. Counseling is like taking what God has said, truth, and how does it apply to your life? And then prophecy okay. is like telling you, tell it one person telling another one, this is what God is saying. Uh-huh. Um, spiritual direction is more of helping you have a conversation with Jesus. And so... So it's facilitating. It's, um, it sounds priestly in that regard as an almost an intermediary but that's not quite it is it not quite because what you're doing is is you're not the most of spiritual direction is question asking okay and mm-hmm. um and and facilitating maybe an exercise or whatever to to experience god mm-hmm. um not just learn or apply truth or or whatever but mm-hmm. for you to 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 start having an experiential relationship um, as opposed to mm-hmm. believing a certain s- set of facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I- I've heard it described and maybe you could nuance it if it's not quite right, but someone who essentially will help you listen to the Lord. Yeah. Um, my spiritual director m- main purpose. And when I first started getting it in my life was helping me have a conversation with God when I was uh, mad at him. Yeah, going going back. Yeah, that's what you referenced before. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that's good. Um, it was transformative for me. Yeah. Yeah. How so? How so? Well, I, I feel like I I've been I've been saved for fifty years. Yeah. And I think that I did not have the kind of relationship. Of course, we're always supposed to be growing, mm-hmm. but I almost feel like I didn't really know Jesus until about 10 years ago, about the mm-hmm. time I started getting spiritual direction, mm-hmm. had the right belief set and had a lot of spiritual experiences, but I didn't really know the guy yeah. because he is human as much as he is God. Uh-huh. And that's what spiritual direction kind of did for me. Not that I have it. Uh, we're going to spend all eternity getting to know God better. That, that, that's mm-hmm. the cool thing about heaven and eternity. Mm-hmm. And God's infinite. But I feel like I wasn't really even on that journey. I was, I was doing a pretty good job of avoiding hell and being safe. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. knowing him and having that relationship started then, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I would have said I knew him and loved him, but this is just very different. I, I, I feel like now if Jesus walked in the room, mm-hmm. I'd recognize him. Oh, yeah. That's a great different. way to put I think it. I would I'd say, I know you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not so sure I might've, I've been, it might've been like the guys on the road to Emmaus before, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It sounds like you're defining, um, just a different, a new aspect of your relationship with the Lord that emerged from that. And, and the word it sounds like to me is friendship. Like I, you know, I, 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 I knew the Lord as father. I knew him as maybe taskmaster. I knew him as someone I was at times afraid of, or I knew him as, you know, someone you needed to obey. And then this idea of knowing him as friend sounds like, and I think for a lot of folks, that's, that's one of the last pieces to, to pull into place. I've had two people in the last year tell me that, um, give me a word that God enjoys his friendship with me. Yeah, I was one of them. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I had somebody had else two. tell me the same thing about three weeks ago. Oh, and, really? And I can't imagine, you know, that's a simple word. And I don't know if you, you even got how important that was to me because we didn't get a chance to talk mm-hmm. about it. But that is mm-hmm. become now the best thing that anyone could say, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that he could say. Um, because I'm enjoying that there was a, you know, in the old Testament, there's a list of all these people with jobs that, that King David had given them to in the list. And there was one guy named Mm -hmm. Hushai and his, and his job description was the King's friend. Oh, right on. (laughs) And I prayed a while back. I said, I want that job. (laughs) Uh I want to be Jesus's friend. And he has been very faithful to bring that about. It's been awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, the backstory to that was, which you're right, we didn't actually debrief afterwards because I shared that from the front at a men's conference or men's retreat that we were at. Uh, We had the afternoon, it was the afternoon before I was going to teach at the event and I was was hanging out. I was trying to find a place alone on a back porch um, to do sort of some final prep and then way down the line on the same, it was a very large wraparound porch, there you were. Um, and I, I started several times to go over there just to interrupt you. And then I realized he's doing what I'm trying to do. He's trying to get away from people for a minute. <laughs> um, and so I, I did, I sat there and prayed for you for just a minute and man, it, it just clears a bell. The Lord said, tell him I appreciate the friendship. Um, and then my first thought was, uh, gratitude. And then my, just that, I don't know the beauty of that. And then the second thought was like jealousy. I was like, Oh, that sounds really good. I hope the same could be said. <laughs> of me um because i i you know there's a song i don't know if you guys do it at your church but we do it all the time um goodness of god and it says that there's a line and it says i've known you as a father i've known you as a friend yes um and so that i've known you as a father like that's been my default and that's been good because i have a good father a good earthly father that makes it a lot easier and yeah um and that's been a good default for a long time but uh, I, I don't know. Probably it goes back to when I first got some spiritual direction as well. I don't think I would trace it directly as as straight a line as you would, but at, at that time and then through a sabbatical that I took, which is another thing I want to talk to you about here in a few minutes, um, to where I realized I I am only now beginning to discover uh, what it means to be a to be a friend of God, and that's what Jesus said to his disciples: like, no longer do I call you servants; you're you're my friends, and. Um, I wonder how much people even consider that as something that is accessible. Like is like it's not just for the like it's not just for some I, I don't know. I, I called you a legend earlier. It's not just for the legends. That's like the baseline of what I, I think he would like to experience with us day in and day out. I know it is. Yeah, that's a good response. <laughs> yeah. It's a life so, goal. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the moments, the moments that I, uh, that I feel like I'm most walking in that I feel like the most, uh, the most peaceful and the most, uh, well, it's, it's the time it's, it's when things feel right, you know, because ultimately that's how I think we will relate to him the most moving forward, you know, that, or perhaps, perhaps brother, as we reign alongside him for all of eternity, um, which is another sense in which we understand our relationship with him. But, but friend, brother, that sounds, that sounds great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not just, not just sheep and shepherd, you know, we go, wait, we're, we're way past that. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and I do think it's what we said earlier—a glimpse of the kingdom coming. I think whenever he experiences friendship, that's a that's a glimpse of what's coming our coming our way. So, so you ended up. You said the spiritual direction uh, really transformed your life and your relationship with the Lord, and then that led to you wanting to become a spiritual director yourself. Um, how? What's that? What did that process look like? I'm I'm just out of sheer curiosity for people who want to know what exactly is it that makes somebody a spiritual director, and if I'm sure, if I'm going to call somebody, is this just somebody who declared themselves to be a spiritual director? <laughs> it's like what is that exactly? Well, I, and there are a lot of different processes out there. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the vineyard has its own own process. I think it is two years. I'm not sure. I I decided on one that was actually a four year process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the person that was training me is a woman. Of course, she's she's not a Jesuit because she's a woman, but she actually lived on site and was trained by the Jesuits in spiritual direction. So it's uh-huh. very Ignatian. Yeah. The reason that I like that uh, is that. It was during the time of the Reformation. Ignatius was a contemporary of Martin Luther, but he was way down in Spain and Italy. Mm-hmm. And and his response to all of the excesses of the church was simply to say, I, I think he, I think he basically just said, I can't figure it out. I'm not going to fight this fight. I'm just going to focus on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even doing that, he had to go through the the um, Inquisition twice. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but the point of, I just fell into it. It was just the grace of God that I, that I, um, with Dove House Ministries in Nashville with Gail Pitt and, and that it's so Jesus focused. I didn't realize that a lot of spiritual direction out there is not Jesus focused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's, so anyway, it, so the process there with Dove House is that you have to go through the nine months of the 19th annotation and which is, is it's arduous um and then that qualifies you to apply for the three-year training process wow. um, which is some some book work a lot of book work actually um but then mm-hmm. you also start directing pretty quickly under supervision uh-huh. and, um so for me that was really good because i was looking for something that was going to be structured and keep mm-hmm. me kind of focused at a time when I was also kind of in crisis. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that it was very good. The friendships I have developed through there are just lifelong and mm-hmm. um, the growth has been fantastic. So I'm now part of Dove yeah. House and I'm on their training cadre, helping to train spiritual directors. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody wanted maybe to look into spiritual direction, they, maybe Dove House is a place to look and yes, yeah, I would okay. say that, and also um, Lipscomb University, and but that's in Nashville. Also has mm-hmm. has a training process, and 
Oh man, I've forgotten the vineyard one, which is can be um, done more remote. Sustainable faith. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, is that the one that Jared Boyd facilitates, or is that one Chris Miller? It was Chris Miller, but I thought it might have been handed okay. off. I'm not sure, but which is kind of interesting because yeah. Chris Miller, the Vineyard guy, has been one of the teachers at Lipscomb University in Nashville. Yeah, um, but I'm not Chris sure is, that, what their status is at the moment. Chris is absolutely phenomenal. I did some spiritual direction with Chris, and it was—I mean, it was life changing. It was his. It, it, I don't think he's doing it at the moment, but he's just incredibly insightful. It was really helpful. Um, and then I actually did a year of spiritual direction leading into my sabbatical just to, to uh, and through my sabbatical um, and then at spots along the way. And that was sort of my introduction to it um, and just at the advice of others. You know, it's something that's got a little bit of momentum in the vineyard um, as people are talking about it a bit more. I mean, for years, I, I never heard a word of it and didn't even know what it was. Um, but lately it's something that's getting some momentum and I'm really glad, um, the, yes, um, there's a, uh, there's a, when, when people have a theology like we do in the vineyard that the Holy spirit can show up and do literally anything at any time. I mean, there's no limit to what this moment holds because this moment could hold the unbreaking of God's kingdom. So that means that's right boom zap transformation right now could happen and when people believe things like that first of all i think that's right clearly um but also i think people have a tendency to then default to that just look for the boom zap transformation and not lean into just daily formation yeah and spiritual direction is such an important piece of spiritual formation it makes me that and a number of other ways in which the vineyard is starting to put more emphasis on spiritual formation has been very, very encouraging to me to, over the last uh, five or ten years. And then, and then also a little bit corrective in me, too, because I've always had that perspective. I was raised Pentecostal and then yep. found myself in the vineyard. And always with that sort of – I've had to catch myself going, I'm looking for transformation and ignoring the invitation into like hour by hour formation by the hand of the Lord, which yes sounds a lot more like friendship, <laughs> which is what we were talking about before. Yes. Yeah, you know. So that's cool. Go ahead. So I, I have a spiritual director now too. I mm-hmm. but because I'm on staff at Dove House, I, it can't really be anyone at Dove House because it maintaining more of an arm's length relationship. So my mm-hmm. spiritual director. Um, was from Lipscomb and trained by Chris Miller, which is fun. And, and mm-hmm. he is, he's an like retired minister. Uh, mm-hmm. And he has been phenomenal for me. So it's, it's, it's always a Jesus encounter every time I get spiritual direction. And mm-hmm. I also grew up Pentecostal and my, you know, pre Pentecostal preacher, pastor, father. Um, but it's, so that was my default too, looking for the mountaintop experience. And the spiritual direction has been more of a slow climb, not a mm-hmm. s- finding myself on the top and then fighting not to slide down the other side. Mm. Um, yeah. Ooh, that's good. Really good. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So out of that, you said spiritual direction kind of helped you stay anchored in that time of crisis. And then uh, you mentioned to me the other day that it was through spiritual direction that you were encouraged to take a sabbatical. 
Um, so why don't you tell us again, like we like I've never heard of it before. What's a sabbatical? Um, it, why is that a good idea uh, for certain folks in certain circumstances? Um, what, what's sort of the, the introductory blurb for me? Well, let me just say that my father did not set a good example. He was so old school uh, uh-huh. that he worked, never taking sabbatical, really. Uh, he'd work mm-hmm. and, and pastor at the same times, so, you know, have a regular job. But, but mm-hmm. uh, that, so it, it was a long time before I ever really kind of came to the place of thinking that I need one. And mm-hmm. then we were in serial crisis at the church. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just the, the norm, but, but we couldn't get away <laughs> yeah. because, right, we thought that it would have been damaging for us to take a sabbatical at this point. And uh-huh. there's a guy named Scazzaro who, who wrote Emotionally Healthy Church and people, and mm-hmm. I forget all the names, but... Emotionally, emotionally Healthy Spirituality would be the one that you would, if you're a lay person in the church, you'd go to first, I think. Yes. Um, and those, the, Pete Scazzaro, all his stuff, but that book in particular is just really really exceptional so go ahead i just want to make sure we we plugged yeah, it while we were there you. yeah well and and he i found this out after i took my sabbatical but he really recommends that pastors take like at least 14 15 weeks every six or seven years mm-hmm. um and what it is is you're you're getting away from from everything really to focus on jesus because pastors mm-hmm. tend to make the Jesus relationship part of their, part of their job. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we're kind of like paid professional Christians. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> was, yep, that's super weird, isn't it? Yes. And yeah. so it's really necessary at times for us to um, what is that? What the Jewish Shemitah year, whatever that that seventh year, whenever that everything, all the oh. no crops would be planted, and yeah, and, that's right. And that for ministers, we kind of have to have have a time when we break away um, to let off. I think it's to let the weight of carrying the the church, the spiritual weight that we carry, which I never even understood. Um, until I got into the, this position, even with a pastor father and being so close and on staff for 10 years, didn't mm-hmm. understand it. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that pastors that don't do that really are stealing from their church because I got so much mm-hmm. from God that, that it changed. It has changed our church again. Spiritual direction changed my church because I, I got it. And now the, the Sabbath sabbatical that I had last summer has changed it also. Yeah. And, and it's it's just so critically important that that happened. Mm. And 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 a few weeks is not good because I was in such a burned out place already at that point. And a lot of that I think was dealing with Joshua's illness too. Um yeah, of course. That um it took 2 months for me to even I didn't even know if I was going back to ministry. It, it took two months mm. for me to kind of get to a place where the Lord was really able to talk to me about church again. He mm. was not talking. He would not talk about church for two two months. Yeah. And I got to the a couple of weeks in. I got to where I didn't even want to see the location of the building. 
Um, oh, wow. And, and I even said to Melanie about three weeks in, I don't know why anybody would go to church and give up a two-day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, was in, I was not in a good place. Um, yeah, that sounds pretty close to burnout, man. Yeah. yeah. So uh, two months in, and then he just did this fast work in about six weeks at the end of it. that Because we extended mm. it for, and we were going to be gone three months. We extended it for two or three weeks mm-hmm. and, um, and just had this fast work from the Lord mm. in it. I'm just amazed at, at, at what he did in our life. Um, yeah. and, and I've got so many things that he just said to me during no, they're not six weeks and, mm. and, um, about doing yeah. things differently, but yeah. everybody needs a Sabbath and we have to, we really need that rhythm in our lives. And it's mm-hmm. hard for pastors to find that to where they're really able to do it on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, but at some point, they've got to be able to get to a place where they can take the weight off of the church. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's a spiritual weight. I don't know how to explain it. Take the weight off yeah. of the church and then get better emotionally, and but then also spend time with Jesus without mm-hmm. it being with the church looking over their shoulder. Right. And there's absolutely no way that that would possibly be conceived as something like billable hours you know it's it's completely apart from the day-to-day operation of the church yeah it's so like i practiced law for 15 years man and there's so much about pastoring that's like that i remember used to having thoughts in my brain like i'm in the shower taking a shower but i'm thinking about somebody's case and really get some good ideas on like how am i going to charge for this (laughs) (laughs) yeah pastoring is all the time yeah, it really is. Um, I, I, I went, when we were preparing for our sabbatical, which we took one, this was uh, 2019, I guess it was. Um, and it was after we had been, we were 15 years in. So we, we waited a little too long um, and then got to the point where it was, it was, you know, thoroughly needed. I, it's interesting what you said that, um, that, that not taking it is robbing the church. That sounds, um, I mean, that, that almost sounds ludicrous. Um, if you've never been on a sabbatical, but if you've been a pastor who has taken a sabbatical, that sounds perfectly rational. Um, yeah. so because the before and after are just, are just remarkable and it, 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 yes, it was very helpful to me personally, but it, it changed our church in, in ways that I could probably like trace the lines of and, and trace it back to the why of that. And then uh, in a whole bunch of ways that I could never begin to trace the lines of, exactly. um, but in preparation for that, um, I just jotted this down. I think I'm remembering this correctly. Um, but while we were preparing for our sabbatical, I read this or something really close to this, but I think it's right. Um, Sabbath is for rest. Uh, vacation is for recreation. Retreat is for revelation. Oh, and sabbatical is for renewal. And and I thought, okay, helping me understand the where why why do i need a sabbatical is it just because i'm tired because i can i can get some rest and i don't have to take a sabbatical to get a little bit of rest um but no that sabbath is that's a rhythm of sabbath each week because we're not supposed to be working on fumes right um and keeping that genuine uh, that genuine time for rest as a part of the regular rhythm vacation is where you go have fun man (laughs) and if here's what i found 
Um, when I'm keeping a Sabbath, then vacation is for recreation. I'm ready to go have fun. That's if right. I'm not keeping a Sabbath, then all I want to do for vacation is go lay down somewhere <laughs> and not That's talk right. to anybody. <laughs> so I didn't even experience vacation as recreation until after I had experienced uh, Sabbath as rest, as a genuine rhythm, you know, each. And then retreat yeah. is for revelation. You get, you take a couple of days, you know, you're in a good place, but you take a few days to get away and hear from the Lord. And he, he brings genuine revelation, but Sabbatical is for renewal, and it's really hard to get renewal outside of it. Um, the reason why I wanted to highlight the subject, uh, Landon, is because, well, one, because I know uh, sabbaticals meant a lot to you, and it, and, you know, it, it changed the course of your life, but also because uh, we have someone on our staff who in the next year will be going on sabbatical. Um, and, uh, when I took my sabbatical no one in our church had done that before, it was a foreign idea to a lot of folks. And, uh, we spent a lot of time trying to like, like promise people over and over again, no, Sharon and I are not getting a divorce. No, I'm not on drugs. Yes. yes. No, I haven't had an affair. <laughs> yes. We're coming no, back. I'm not. <laughs> yes. I will come back. No, I'm not interviewing for other jobs. I mean, we had to do all of this stuff, uh, because it was a foreign idea to our church, but, um, now I'm excited because the next time as this is about to come up for another one of our staff people, um, it, it will be something hopefully a bit more known and people know, no, we're doing this, believe it or not, in service to the church, that it will be a gift to our church because this person has been, um, they've experienced and had opportunity to experience genuine renewal. And then man, does that, does that then make its waves in the life of the church when that person comes back? It does. It, and Waves is right, because I came back and found out I had a bunch of pastors who were very tired. Um, and granted, uh -huh. <laughs> it's after COVID and what? Oh, my gosh. COVID just about wrecked all the pastors in the United States. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I came back and realized that um, I was renewed and I'd heard from the Lord and uh, and and uh, they were tired. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So it, oh, well, yeah, we were making right. waves, and and so I'm really seeing. I'm encouraging people that you've got to get a sabbatical, and you, and and especially ministers needed. Uh -huh. And when they come back, yeah, if you have somebody on staff going to take a sabbatical when they come back, they're going to be a different different place. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a gift to the church, and honestly, I'm so excited about it for this person uh, because they're already doing amazing work. And so I'm like, well, what does it look like if they come back even better? Um, so I'm, it's amazing. I had a lot of fear going into our sabbatical. Um, it was tough in a way because I'm the lead pastor, and Sharon and I, my Sharon's full time on our staff as well, so we were taking it together. So that made it a little bit tougher in that regard. But man, I have nothing but joy and anticipation for the next one that's coming up uh, for this staff person. Even though they feel an enormous role in the life of our church, I'm not the least bit concerned because it's it's going to it's going to be for the well being of our people, and I'm excited about it. There yeah. are very few things I look back on the last 15 years where I was said that I would have changed, um, but two adding in at least two sabbaticals are those things. I should have had one right before I became the lead pastor and um, and definitely in the middle of that 16 years before I finally got one, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. And maybe two in the middle because I, the church, the Clarksville Vineyard right now would be a different church if I had done that. 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's really good. Well, Landon, I think we'll I think we'll probably wrap it up here. I just want to thank you so much uh, for sharing your insight. And uh, man, I I also I'm excited for our whole church to to know about um, the healing story for Joshua. And um, I, I'm just celebrating with you. I mean, you're my friend. I love you, and I'm celebrating. And then on a on a grander scale, just um, it's so cool to see how God moves in people's lives. How he doesn't let suffering go to waste. He utilizes it. Um, and then, and then the way he brought beauty from ashes, uh, for you and for, for Joshua and then for your whole family, man, I, I, man, I just, I rejoice every time I think of it. And I think about it quite a lot because, uh, I, I think probably because of what I referenced earlier, I do remember that one day when I talked to you and I thought, Oh boy, <laughs> Landon's in a tough spot, man. He is wearing it heavy. <laughs> and so I'm just rejoicing all the more, man. Praise the Lord for what he's done. So thanks for coming and uh, sharing your story. And, and I, I really appreciate it. It's a gift to our church. Thank you, Aaron. And I got to tell you that in my church, you're the legend. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something Ed Martin would say. <laughs> totally. Yeah. All right, Landon. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, buddy. All right. Bye-bye.